Hey everybody, welcome to another Vikings postgame show here on Purple Insider. Matthew Collar here along with Dane Mizutani of the Pioneer Press inside whatever they call Mile High Stadium now after the Vikings fall 21-20 to here in a game in which they kept giving it away, Dane, and I, that is the story of the game. And I gotta tell you, it's a little bit difficult for me when the main story just is, look, they turned the ball over. Because a lot of times on the postgame show after a loss, what we like to try to do is look for things that are actionable, things that they could change, things that caused this, uh, whether it was decisions leading up to the, you know, the, the, the roster or, you know, the game plan or the play calling. And there is certainly stuff that we will discuss for sure, including the first drive and the decision to run some sort of trickery with Josh Dobbs, which uh, has never seemingly played out in Kevin O'Connell's favor. Mm -hmm. But still, when it comes down to how both teams played for the vast majority of this game, the Vikings moved the ball. The Vikings stopped the first four attempts uh, of the Broncos in the red zone. It seemed like the defense was on point, bailing them out pretty consistently. The Broncos didn't run the ball well. Russell Wilson had some moments early on, but did not look great through most of this game. And yet they're on the doorstep of getting it even, they didn't even need a first down. Just don't give the ball away, kick another field goal. And you probably walk out of here with a win and Alexander Madison fumbles the game away. I, I guess I don't know what I'm supposed to do with this other than to say, that over the last five weeks, they have dominated the turnover differential mm -hmm. and what goes up must come down. We don't have to be rocket scientists in order to know that. And uh, that's what happened tonight, that they got on the bad side of some of that turnover luck and they end up losing this game. Now, that is not a free pass to the things that we will talk about, including O'Connell's decision there and a couple other ones uh, that people have maybe called too conservative and so forth. But I always have trouble when the answer and the explanation is right there in front of you. And in this game, it was right there in front of you. It's, it was the turnovers. Absolutely. And we're going to dissect this, you know, over the next hour. And it's just going to probably feel a little bit like we're going in circles because we're just going to end up talking about the turnovers in the end. And everything kind of leads back to the three to zero turnover differential. It's something Kevin O'Connell preached all week. Um, I think heading into this game, the Denver Broncos had won three straight and they had forced 10 turnovers in that stretch. So they were showing that they can force the hand of the, of the other offense. And if the offense on the other side does not take care of the ball, they can, you know, take over a game on defense. The Broncos can. And I think that was a big coaching point all week for the Vikings, for Kevin O'Connell. So to see it then play out in the exact way that you were hoping it wouldn't play out, um, it has to be frustrating. And, and walking around that locker room, you could tell there was frustration listening to Coach Kevin O'Connell talk and watching him kind of walk off that podium um, tonight. You could tell there was frustration because I think it really does come down to what you just said is you can dissect this game any way you want. You can criticize certain play calls, certain decisions in certain moments, certain players not making plays when they were there to be made. But at the end of the day, if they just hold on to the football, none of that matters. It's all moot. They win the game if they just do not cough the ball up. Now, we're going to talk about the first drive of the game. One of the turnovers could be chalked up directly to a probably too cute, questionable play call from Kevin O'Connell. We'll dive into that, I'm sure. Um, but it, yeah, it's just a weird game to talk about because we're sitting there after the game in the locker room talking to 
safety Cam Bynum, talking to safety Josh Metellus, basically saying, like, what happened on that last drive? Even though they were spectacular pretty much all night long on the defensive side of the ball, um, Cam Bynum said we weren't at our best when we needed to be. That's true. They did kind of just let them dink and duck the ball all the way downfield. Um, and then Cortland Sutton made a big play in the end zone. But it, again, it goes back to the turnovers. If they hold on to the ball, that last drive doesn't matter at all. Um, the Vikings should have won this game by a couple of scores. Instead, they lose by one point because of the turnovers. So I want to talk about the criticism of O'Connell and, and the approach in, in some situations where they could have gone for it, could have tried to score a touchdown. There was a, I think it was a, a fourth and one that they decided not to go for and punt it away. I'm going to lean toward defending that more than criticizing that, which I know sounds strange for me because I have go for it tattooed across my chest, but the way that Josh Dobbs was playing tonight looked much more like somebody who was a little uh, less comfortable, much more like a journeyman quarterback, much more like a new offense. It wasn't as smooth as it was against the New Orleans Saints where it just looked like drop back, deliver to open wide receivers. And there was some of that, but there were a lot more scrambles where it wasn't as pretty. And, and there were two great scrambles that resulted in touchdowns, one where he threw it and another one where he ran in. But on a play-to-play basis, they were having much more success running the football than they were dropping back, delivering pass after pass after pass and just moving the sticks. Mm -hmm. it, it seemed to be a couple of big throws. There was one to Josh Oliver right before they fumbled that looked like it was going to be the dagger. There was another one along the sideline where Addison ran a really tremendous route, got open, threw it in time. But the timing was just a little bit off, which I, I think can be attributed to a lot of really good players on the Denver Broncos, especially on their secondary. But their coverages were good. They've clearly fixed so many things mm -hmm. on the defensive side. So I understood why if Kevin O'Connell was watching Dobbs play and feeling like, you know, there seems to be a, a turnover in the air. There seems to be a little more of those scrambles aren't coming out perfectly and so forth that he decided that he was going to play it a little more safe. And this is where it comes down to when you lose a game and we've been through this multiple times this year, when you lose a game, the first inclination is to say, well, they did everything wrong. And that's fair in some instances, in some losses, they do everything wrong and, and there's nothing to re really talk about. Uh, but in this case, I thought that it was handled just fine and they were about to run away with the game, put it in a dagger and, and call it a night. And then they just swung the door wide open because of Alexander Madison. And that's the other discussion that needs to be had. This was Madison's best game. I think by far, he played well against the Chargers earlier this year. This defense for the Broncos cannot stop the running game really at all. And Madison is plowing forward, run after run, having a pretty good night, and then fumbles away the best game of his season. And I, I think, you know, there are people who want Madison benched. I don't know how you do that. You're already down Cam Akers. Ty Chandler had an excellent game, save for the pass block he was supposed to make that the guy hits Josh Dobbs's arm and turns into an interception, which these things have to be factored in how well somebody can handle the offense. So I also want to see Ty Chandler in there all the time. He had a phenomenal game overall, but I can see why there might be a trust factor. And you also just can't have one running back. So Madison has to be a part of this. He was always going to have to be a part of this. And this was, in my mind, until he fumbles that ball, 
Hall, this was like the ideal Madison role where, okay, he's in like half the time, but not mm-hmm. all the time. And then you have this thunder and lightning type of situation. Uh, and instead he ends up fumbling it away. And this is again, where we kind of just go, I don't know. I don't know what yeah. to say about that. Right. I, I just, I don't know what to say about this. Like the loss happens there mm-hmm. and then the defensive side of it, let's discuss at some point, but the loss happens there after a game where he's the best that he's been all year long. And that that's kind of like what this felt like. This felt like you are a team that had a five game winning streak that was bound to kind of have something go wrong at some point, yeah. And it did for sure. And it's totally fair to say like, I know people have latched on to that decision to not go for it, to punt in the first half. And I think it was fourth and short from pretty close to midfield. I'm pretty sure the fourth down bot said, go for it. Analytics said, go for it. But it was like a 2% difference between go and punt. And to your point, the offense just looked kind of clunky early on. Josh Dobbs fumbled the ball. Well, obviously fumbled the ball because of the pitch play that that went awry, but also just couldn't get the exchange down with Garrett Bradbury twice. So I don't blame Kevin O'Connell for punting the ball there. And all of that kind of added up to you got the ball back after halftime because your defense stepped up. You marched right down the field and and took a 17-9 lead. And then you're there with a chance to kind of go ahead. And this is where we talk about Alexander Madison. If he doesn't fumble that ball, the Vikings win this game running away, I think. Even if you kick a field goal there, I think the game's pretty much out of hand because it just never really looked like Denver was going to threaten to kind of make this a game unless you kept it close, and that was proven. Five field goals up until the touchdown on the final drive. So if Alexander Madison doesn't fumble the ball there, I think the Vikings just run away with it. So all of the... Well, was Kevin O'Connell conservative early on? None of that really matters to me because he got the look he was hoping for. They they went out and they proved they were better early in the second half, and they were moving the ball on the drive that he that Alexander Madison fumbled first and ten from the plus thirty four. You know, they're they're just it, it touchdown felt inevitable there. I think we even t- looked at each other and said this game could get out of hand um, because it really felt like it was about to then the ball hits the ground and then you're kind of just kind of fighting it and up against it the rest of the way. Um, but that's the turning point in the game. And it, it just, I understand why people watch Ty Chandler and want him to get more touches. I believe he should get more touches. I frankly wouldn't care if you just inverted the touches and made Ty Chandler your, you know, lead back per se, and kind of shifted Alexander Madison into a role that he had with Dalvin cook, but you're not taking Alexander Madison off the field completely, which I think is what people are are going to overreact and kind of say, well, you know, Madison should never play again. Well, he's going to have to play because they just don't have depth in the backfield. But with the way Ty Chandler ran the ball today, with the way Alexander Madison really turned the game on its head with that costly fumble, I think it's totally fair and on the table to say, maybe there should be a new lead back here in Minnesota. Um, it, it just, it, it seems almost oversimplified. Like every time Ty Chandler touches the ball, something good happens. And Madison, it kind of feels like a crapshoot. Maybe it'll be good. Maybe it'll be bad. Sometimes it'll be a fumble. Sometimes it'll be a run right into someone else's butt. Um, but you never really know. Whereas with Ty Chandler, it feels like, okay, something good could happen every, almost every time. So uh, I, I got to imagine the fumble plays a, a role in into these reps moving forward. Kevin O'Connell was pretty strong about 
you know, taking care of the football in the early stages when they started 0 3, 1 and 4. At one point, said, if people can't take care of the ball, I will find someone who can. They have Ty Chandler now, and I think that's where we're headed. Um, but you're, you're not just going to take Madison out of the game plan completely. You just can't afford to do that with a depth you don't have. Yeah, it's true. But I do feel like it needs to be, like you said, Ty Chandler the rest of the way as the lead back. And you're just going to have to manage some of the other stuff. If there is a pass block that gets missed, then you're going to have to have Josh Dobbs escape it and sense it and not have his arm hit. That was another thing where it was. And this is one of those classic like game of inches types of games because it's a few inches away from the ball being knocked down away from Cortland Sutton. It's a few inches away from a uh, Josh Metellus interception right. that, you know, people have pointed out, which I thought Jerry Judy played amazing cornerback on that play, mm-hmm. at least the way it looked to me uh, from uh, up here. And then, you know, Josh Dobbs getting his arm hit a fumble at the end of the game by the Broncos rolls out of bounds. Yeah. And like that, was, it yeah. was just, it was just that type of game. So I think that there's two different types of losses. There's a loss where you go through the entire process and, and game plan and play calling and everything else, and you just shred it apart because it deserves it, right? Like you game planned wrong, you played terrible, everyone messed up, and, and you got to fix a lot of things. And then there's a loss where you should be really mad at yourself for completely giving it away. The What's the stealing a loss from the jaws of victory or something? Like that's what this felt like. This, mm-hmm. this felt like they outplayed the Broncos and then – completely just gave the game away in multiple instances. And we do have to give the Broncos credit for this, the final drive and we'll kind of bounce all over the place here a little bit, but they stopped the first four trips into the red zone from ending up as a touchdown, which is pretty darn impressive, but also they have asked a lot of the defense. And this is what I was thinking about as they were driving with the dinks and dunks of Russell Wilson to his running back over and over again is At the end of the Atlanta game, the defense was pretty worn down and they gave up a touchdown and then Dobbs goes down and and, and scores and wins the game. Mm -hmm. And it felt kind of the same way. You're on the road. You've gone through a lot the last couple of weeks, multiple road games here. Uh, You are down your linebacker. You're asking Anthony Barr to go out there and play a lot of snaps when he hasn't played at all this year. And Russell Wilson just finds the exact right strategy, which was let's just throw underneath or just get enough. And they wore the clock down so much that the Vikings didn't have a ton of time at the end of the game after they scored the touchdown. But it was just asking the defense to repeatedly and they've done this for weeks now repeatedly get the huge stop, get the huge stop get the huge stop. And at some point they weren't going to get that huge stop. So it's a game that I think you look back with a ton of regret threat of yeah that one play that one drive that one mistake but not a game where you would say everything was wrong that they did and all of a sudden Josh Dobbs can't play or so forth I I remember looking up at his statistics midway through the fourth quarter and he had something like 120 quarterback rating it was like oh okay or you know it was like he's he's completing a lot of passes they're playing offensively well enough there's look if they don't lose the game we are going off about the touchdowns that he had and the different aspect of uh, of how that he brings to the game as far as the running goes so this loss would not make me think oh buddy it's over you just got hit in the face with the regression the mm-hmm. magic the mania yes. the linsanity it's all come to an end but but it did make me think there were some things that the broncos did that opposing teams should be watching and probably will be 
look, the, the Chicago Bears just played a really good game today. Mm-hmm. I don't think that playing the Bears is a complete give me. I mean, they, the, the Lions barely survived in the very final seconds of that game against the Bears. And Matt Eberflus did a tremendous job about scheming them the last time that they were in Chicago. The Raiders defense is playing better. I don't have a lot of trust in them, mm-hmm. but the underneath stuff working is something we have seen before. And also the defense getting worn down, the injuries playing a role. It's no surprise at the end of the game, they go after a rookie against one of the better receivers at contested catches in the league in Cortland Sutton. And this is where you just go, all right, are, are you going to let this one topple you over? Or is this one where you can just bounce back and say, all right, it was it was some random stuff and and some strange turnovers. So I think that Kevin O'Connell stomped off angrily after the game. I mean, one, because uh, at least according to what I saw on Twitter from the broadcast, it should have been a penalty on Kareem Jackson for hitting Josh Dobbs on that fumble, which would have, I think, negated the fumble or at least given 15 yards back the other way. I think it would have negated the fumble Mm -hmm. um, because that's how it was caused and so he was unhappy with that unhappy with how much he's emphasized the turnovers and that ends up happening so is this going to be the breaking point of you lost the game you shouldn't have and then went over the edge because denver found some stuff late in the game or is it going to be well look this was the game that was bound to happen to them at some point it was why i really hemmed and hawed throughout the week of like who am i going to pick the vikings am i not going to pick the vikings because i just thought those turnovers were going to come back to life at some point So I don't know which one, like it's going to prove over the coming weeks, which one of those things it's going to be, but this loss does have the potential to push them back in that other direction since Mm -hmm. they got the best possible version of Josh Dobbs over these last three weeks. Yeah. I'm, I'm inclined to believe that it will be one that we look back on and, and we're not thinking that was the game that toppled it all over because there have been opportunities for this thing to go completely haywire this year and they haven't. And I think a lot of that is rooted in just kind of the buzzword it is, but culture and not getting, not freaking out that this thing is, the sky is falling now because they lost a game they probably should have won. I I think there will be some actionable things that come out of this, but I also think when you digest the the film tomorrow and when we talk to Kevin O'Connell over zoom, and when we talk to these guys throughout the week, uh, they will kind of, like you said, latch on to the fact that there was a lot of good we did in this game and frankly we should have won the game and yeah it really hurts and it stings because when you lose a game that you should have won uh, that sucks and it, it it can set you back especially when now you're six and five and you know the nfc isn't great but if you continue to lose games that you should win then you're going to be right on that playoff cut line so i understand the frustration but this is not a game that i think has to be all right, well, the Magic's run out. It's over. Um, I think there are things from this game that you can apply moving forward. And if you just also be super hyper-focused on taking care of the football, which sometimes I wonder if like talking about it almost is like counterproductive because you're like, we can't turn the ball over, and then you end up turning the ball over. That's what it felt for like the first month of the season. But I think if they can kind of just continue to emphasize that while also taking the good of this game – this doesn't have to be a game that we look back on and say, yep, that was where it all turned you know, around. Because I think there were things that Josh Dobbs did in this game that moving forward, can he can still continue to kind of build off of. I think what 
a lot of people who are waiting for the other shoe to drop here are thinking is at some point, Josh Dobbs is going to turn into a pumpkin and he's going to be bad. And, and the Vikings are going to lose games because of that. They did not lose this game because he was bad. He was, there were some questionable moments. There are times where I think the last drive, and this is probably being a little bit too critical because the last drive's hard. Denver's taking the roof off of the, you know, you know, they, there was no deep, options for the Vikings that they're very good in coverage to the Broncos are but it did feel like Josh Dobbs has kind of relied on that scrambling ability and sometimes maybe it's okay to just eat the play throw it away I, I think of that third down play where it goes as, as an intentional grounding and maybe it, just throw it if you can find a way to throw it away in that moment instead of trying to reverse out and scramble and and I get there's like a duality of that because part of what has made those last two weeks amazing is because sometimes those scrambles have worked um, but I think when you look at what he can do, a lot of the things that he did well for the last two weeks, he did well tonight. And if we they won the game, we would be talking about those plays. But I think he needs to also improve upon, like, what can I learn from this game? It's okay to, like, eat a play here and there, to just throw the ball in the dirt. There were a couple times, not just, like, looking at the last drive where the scramble went awry and it turns into a grounding play, the drive before that where Greg Joseph, they settle for a field goal. They go up 20 to 15. Josh Dobbs tried to throw an interception there. Cause he was just kind of trying to force something there. So I think there is almost like a, I got to do more because I've done so much for these two weeks. And I don't think a loss is ever good, but I think this will be, make him be reflective of like, okay, like I have a really pretty good team around me. I just need to take care of the ball. He didn't do a great job of that tonight. I know the fumble is, is tough to pin on him because it's a tough play call, the pitch pass, um, but still you can hold on to the ball. And, you know, like the Ty Chandler missing the block, hitting hit while you throw, that's tough too, but it still like goes down in his interception. And, and Josh Dobbs said it himself, that the ball is your hopes, dreams, and aspirations, and it starts with him. And he has the ball almost every play to start uh, every single snap. Um, so if he's turning the ball over twice, which he did tonight, not good. But I, I think there are things that you can still look forward and build off of from this game, and it's not like this is the you know the sky's falling on on this situation. They also had a couple of turnover worthy throws and a couple of snaps that ended up getting boshed, including yeah. the first play of the game. So it felt like even though they only turned it over or Dobbs turned it over two times, and neither was I mean one was probably a bad play call, and the other one is uh, you know on Ty Chandler it felt like they were playing with fire there with the turnovers all night long mm -hmm. and that they eventually got burned. But, you know, I, I think what we need to do is kind of go through and look at where things need to be blamed, right? Like what's reasonable and what's not in mm -hmm. a game like this, because, you know, if you just go through the current list of comments and you're like, okay, we've got fire Kevin O'Connell. We've got Dobbs is who we thought he was. We've got, you know, get rid of Madison, whatever. Like there's a, there's a lot of ideas. Well, we'll put it that way um, about what happened here and, and where we should pin the blame. So we should just, we should start with Kevin O'Connell on this because the first play of the game, and of course he was not willing to really go there after the game. And I, I don't blame him. I guess I wouldn't stand up at a podium and say, I made a terrible play call that was completely senseless non just just a just mm -hmm. a garbage idea that never ever 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 should have been tried there's so many things that could go wrong there tj hawkinson doesn't take snaps you have to 
flip the ball through the air to Josh Dobbs, who is not a running back. And then he has to ram himself through linebackers and safeties who are flying downhill at him. It just, there's no universe where that makes any sense to do. And you sort of got what you asked for. It was the same with Delvin cook and trying to throw a pass last year. Mm -hmm. Like I've never seen Delvin cook throw a pass in my life. And yet you were trying to have him throw it into the end zone and he fumbles Mm -hmm. or, you know, even last year in the playoffs, you're trying to throw a pass to Kirk cousins of all people people in this universe who you don't throw a pass to Kirk cousins would be the guy not to. So there was that there was also, we're going to dial up a pass play on third and one overthinking it while you're having a lot of success in the run game. The overall run game plan worked really well. Mm-hmm. I didn't think much else worked there uh, from some of those like key spots uh, on those third downs. And there, the other thing is too, that the final drive you really have to point to, I, I think, the play calling there as well, because there was time and there were timeouts to mm-hmm. methodically move into Greg Joseph's uh, range. And it, like this, this air thing with the ball traveling farther. Oh, it's real. <laughs> like the ball, actually, every punt that Ryan Wright had, I was like, oh, that's like a 30 yard. Pu- oh, my gosh. Every kickoff looked like it was being hit for a home run by a Colorado Rockies <laughs> slugger. The ball travels like crazy here. He could have kicked a 60 yard field goal. I think probably with ease. He's got one of the be- best legs or at least with ease the distance. It would have given you a chance. You don't have to run guys deep down the field with longer developing concepts, which allowed the Broncos to be very aggressive in that situation. I thought the Broncos defense called it up really, really well Mm -hmm. at the end of that. So if you're looking back and talking about how much criticism from a head coach who has earned a ton of adulation in recent weeks for just a brilliant game plan to start against the Saints, a a magical all-time memorable performance against Atlanta, this was not. This was not his night. It doesn't mean that it was, I think, altogether awful because we saw open receivers at times. We really saw a great rush plan, a running game plan, which we haven't seen in recent weeks. But there were also, in a game where you lose by one point and you go through it, you don't need a fine-tooth comb to find some of the situations where you go. It just, I think it just shows you in the situation you're in with the injuries that you have, mm-hmm. it really has to be pretty perfect, and it was definitely not tonight. Yeah, and I, I think it, it, these games are always interesting because there is so much frustration from a from a fan base. Then there's obviously it's understandable. Like this is a game they feel like they should have won, but the reaction of all of a sudden now Kevin O'Connell is the worst coach in the league is just it's an overreaction. It's an emotional reaction. I understand, um, but I also kind of get like the feeling of this wasn't his best game because it really did start from the first drive of the game where it was like, this was objectively a two cute play call running the ball with your tight end pitching to your quarterback. But you talked at length about being smart with how they run him because you don't want him to get hurt because you have only Nick Mullins. Now who's coming off a back injury as your backup. Now you got to take care of Josh Dobbs and protect him. And then you pitch him the ball and let, safeties and linebackers run downhill 100 miles an hour at him that was a questionable play call in real time at the time and to kevin o'connell's point he said well yeah that's a play call but there's a lot of game left there's a lot of football left and there was but there was also in that lot of football left a lot of places in between where kevin o'connell if it was just one bad play call and he was 
great the rest of the way. People I don't think would be calling for his head tonight and calling for his head is not correct. It's not the right take, but I understand the frustration because it wasn't just one bad play call. There were a lot of questionable decisions made throughout the game where at least you were like, "Eh, I don't know if I would have done that. Um, that the third and one call when you're running the ball great and you and you throw a pass and then you don't go for it because you didn't get the third and one that you'd want and now you're fourth and one and, and you're punting instead of going if you go to just run the ball then you've got a new set of downs there were elements of you know questionable decision makings throughout the game and I think that is also why there is such a frustration with the head coach right now is it wasn't just the questionable play call at the beginning of the game it was a handful of questionable play calls throughout the game. So it it did start off on the wrong foot and at times it got better, but I think there was just kind of a sour taste in the mouth of a lot of people after that too cute play call from the beginning. And frankly, there weren't a ton of, you know, moments where it was like, all right, he's on fire today. So I think he left himself room for criticism right off the bat. And he didn't really do himself many favors along the way. Um, I don't think he was ultra conservative in this game. I, I think there is like at times he, he was, he did go for it and there was a fake punt call from his own 30. So like he, he, it's not like he was like, let's not win the game. He, he was aggressive about it. There, there were plays after that fake that, that worked out well, where you're trying to get a touchdown or maybe I, I, I understand taking a shot and, and, and letting Dobbs throw. But at that point, Josh Dobbs didn't look super comfortable either. So I understand running the ball when, when you're gaining like five yards of carry. So I, I understand all the criticism. I understand the frustration. I think it's just a little bit of an emotional reaction after the game. But I also think the head coach put himself up for that criticism with a questionable play call literally two minutes into the game. And, and there is a little bit of a tendency here, not just when it comes to trickeration, um, but mm-hmm. also when it comes to there are some times that the answer is very simple and it's sort of right there in front of you. And I tweeted after it was an early play in the game where they passed it and Dobbs threw it behind Alexander Madison on third and one. Mm-hmm. And I tweeted, just run it. I mean, just like sometimes it's right there. I mean, even when Kirk is the quarterback, there would be a third and three and they'd throw a bomb down the sideline right. or something. You'd be like, uh, no, no, it's it's OK to just throw throw a quick screen, throw, a, a, mm-hmm. you know, a, a swing pass or something or just run it. And you, if you have a little more trust in your running back, I don't know. But tonight you should have had a lot of trust. The other thing is, too, that when Ty Chandler carries the ball 10 times and Alexander Madison carries the ball 18 times, you have failed. Uh, you get a, a, an F for that decision. I mean, because Ty Chandler was just dynamic and explosive tonight. Mm-hmm. And I mean, gosh, the guy was doing everything. He's on special teams. He ran down, even though the play didn't count, like he ran down Patrick Sertan after he intercepted the ball and tackled him. I mean, just like he was doing absolutely everything tonight. He was very hard to stop. It's third down and 20, which you would never expect to get. And here's Ty Chandler. As soon as he touches the ball, he is so fast that you think, I mean, just from my eye, I thought, oh, well, he's going to get tracked down and get like nine yards or whatever. Nope. He got 20 and and like, that's Ty Chandler for you. And that's so, so to me, that's a failure. And I guess like there's a difference between, well, he didn't punt or he should have passed a little more here or there. I thought the passing was shaky enough where I understood why they were conservative in some ways, but I think there's other points that I did have questioned about. And there's just this little bit of overcomplicating, trying too hard, 
uh, that happens. And, and I guess last week, if it's coming off of last week, I understand what you're saying. Cause in the second half, they clearly did shut it down, get a little too conservative last mm-hmm. week. And he admitted that this week. So I didn't think that that was so much the issue. It was just, do you have the the right feel for the right play at the right time? And it felt like tonight at times they didn't, which is still weird to talk about because they should have won the game easily. And, and I also understand at times where you're like Denver, when is Denver? We're going to move the ball. Like, let me know because they were just miserable on offense for a lot of the night and then come through uh, because of some of the turnovers where they were just given easy chances uh, to score there. Let's talk about Josh Dobbs. The touchdown is just magical uh, where he's breaking defensive ends tackles. Mm -hmm. Uh, The other rushing touchdown that he had where he read the man coverage saw that everybody was covered up, but there was nobody in the middle and just shoots into the end zone. This is a dynamic that he has brought to the offense that is different from anything we've seen in a very long time. And it makes up for some of the other stuff at the same time, not always sharp with the accuracy, an absolutely miserable final drive. Some of the scrambling, and this is always the given the take of every scrambling quarterback who has ever lived is that some of the scrambling becomes oh man, that's not actually working and you're scrambling to nothing. And there was another time toward the end of the game too. And this is where I thought, you know, Dobbs was maybe just a little bit more on the shaky side. He's rolling out and he's got maybe eight yards there. Is this on the final drive? He's got like eight yards there. And Garrett Bradbury starts to go down the field thinking, oh, he's running. Like I'm going to block the safety and like we're going. And then he throws it and you're like, no, (laughs) you know, like, nope, nope. And look, turning back around toward your right side, the other way around at some point, someone's going to be there and kill you. So like this, this is, this is what you're going to have. I think through the rest of the way is there are times where it's going to be incredible and breathtaking with the athleticism he has, but also it's a struggle that he had in Arizona turning over the ball, some of the decision-making in the pocket And we saw shades of that tonight, even though he executed a good number of throws, a couple to Brandon Powell, a couple to Jordan Addison, a couple uh, to even Josh Oliver. This just felt much more like what I thought Josh Dobbs games were going to look like, if that makes sense. Mm -hmm. Not what we saw against the Saints that was completely dominant. Yeah, but I I still look at this game and and I get it. Like he was a big part of the why they lost the game, because at the end of the day, he has two turnovers. He bobbles two exchanges with Garrett Bradbury. He makes questionable decisions with the ball at times. But he, what I keep going back to is the two touchdown plays. And just like the, the fact that he's able to do that just still unlocks a different realm of this offense that we hadn't seen in, in, in a lot of times when Kirk Cousins was under center. The touchdown play, let's go back to that. He rolls right. It's a designed rollout, and Alexander Madison is the first read, and almost like the only read in that situation. It's like Madison's going to flare out. I'm going to roll with him. I'm going to throw him the ball because most of the time in those situations, the guy's kind of leaking out and he's open. Well, he wasn't open, and and I think in a lot of situations, if that was Kirk on that rollout, Madison's not there. I'm throwing the ball away. Game over. We'll kick a field goal. Josh Dobbs rolls out. Rolls out, rolls out, shakes off a, a defensive end, outside linebacker, rush type, sticks his foot in the ground, settles his feet, looks his looks downfield, pump fakes, throws to J- Josh Oliver for a touchdown. The running touchdown later, you know, after halftime, 
like you said, recognizes man coverage, takes off, says, I'm going to beat everyone else to the end zone, does. Those are things I think you latch onto and you say, like, this offense still can be really good, as clunky as it looked tonight, because of Josh Jobs. Not because, you know, not in spite of him, not like, okay, well, eventually this thing's going to come off the rails because he's just playing with magic, a horseshoe, whatever you want to call it. I think there was some of that for the first two games of, of his career in Minnesota. I think there was a little bit of like, wow, this feels a little bit magical. Like, can we, is this sustainable? And we've learned tonight it's not, but I, I, I think there are some elements of his game that are sustainable as you push forward. So the frustration with Josh Dobbs tonight is merited. It's, it's, it comes with the territory of when people really start to latch on and like you and, and think you're the guy moving forward, you, you open yourself up to some of those criticisms, especially when you're as shaky as you were tonight. But I always come back to like, this offense still looks different when, when he's the guy under center. And by the way, you're going to get the best player on the team back in time, maybe even next week on Monday night football, Justin Jefferson's back in, Man, wouldn't you just like to have Justin Jefferson on that last drive? Um, just either as someone you can throw the ball to or as someone taking two guys with him as he regularly does. Um, just the offense is going to look so much different, but I think this isn't a reason, even though he was shaky, to think, wow, this Josh Dobbs experiment's over. I think there's still a lot of good um, that can come with him under center. Um, and that's why I'm not like going to be so hypercritical that like, he was superhuman for two weeks and now he looked human tonight. And like, yeah, that was going to happen at some point, but I still think this offense can be good with him leading the charge. Uh, and there's a question that I have, which is how much were some of those blitzes something that other teams are going to be able yeah, to do? Yeah. That's something I really want to watch because now Matt Eberflus in, in Chicago does not blitz a whole lot. And yet, what we saw last time is when they played the Vikings, they played different coverages and stuff. He will switch it up. And it is yeah. possible that we see a change, a more aggressive approach against Dobbs because the Denver Broncos did a really good job. The, what they were talking about after the game was situationally that I, both Kevin O'Connell and Josh Dobbs says situationally, they called the blitzes at the right time. Mm -hmm. And I agree with that. It wasn't like they were just rushing and rushing and rushing, but it was like third downs. Yep. It was big spots where they hit on some of those blitzes and frustrated Dobbs and forced him, you know, to try to scramble or forced him to make a bad throw. And that impacted the outcome. Uh, it, it, for me, it was always going into this. It was, if you could get two out of three here, if you can get, you're playing three opponents that you feel like you should beat, although Denver's playing better recently and you feel like you should win all three, mm -hmm. but that's usually not how it works in the NFL. Even around the league, we see strange results and upsets. And especially when it's more, it's closer to a 50, 50 game, mm -hmm. uh, the line slightly favored Denver, right? For a reason, uh, because even the gambling community thought at some point, a five game win streak is going to come to an end. The question is, is there, you know, a solution here that is going to be found against Josh Dobbs yeah. that they can use against him. And then you go back to the, Oh wait, they moved the ball actually quite well all night long and they just didn't finish the job. And so that like, I always have to kind of pull myself back of like, well, they didn't really botch everything here. Uh, but let's talk about the defensive side. 
I mean, again, two thirds, three quarters of the way through the game, as you're sort of formulating in your mind, what are we going to be saying about this game after I was again, ready to marvel at Brian Flores's defense and just say, look, I don't know how he did it. I mean, you've got Ivan pace out there, a rookie handling the green dot. You have, uh, you know, Anthony Barr showing up and making plays. You, you're using everybody again here on a night like this. And there were a couple of close calls where they almost got a fumble. They almost get an interception. Just didn't quite happen. Daniel Hunter gets a sack. DJ Wanham's getting another sack. They go like, oh, look here. They're doing it again. They're doing it again. But then in the final drive, this is something that if you're talking about the one area where there has to be a weakness, because no defense covers all of the field. Otherwise, you know, they would, everyone would run that scheme, right? If, if there was one defensive style and the one thing that putting a lot of guys line scrimmage and a lot of guys, 10 yards deep does is it leaves a little bit of a soft area in the middle. And they were able to take advantage of that. I chalk it up more to, they were worn down at that point. They yeah. were trying to keep everything in front of them because they knew that it required a touchdown that, yeah. Okay. You can dink, you can dunk, you can run the clock down. You can get a couple of first downs, but you just can't get in the end zone. And then on the touchdown, it's a great throw and it's a great catch. And you also still have an opportunity to win the game, giving considering you turn the ball over three times, giving up 21 points and a ton of field goals is a successful night. But it's on the quarterback side. We always talk about how those game winning drives are hard to repeat. Last year, we discussed that with Kirk Cousins, where it got to the playoffs and like, oh, they weren't able to, to do it. Well, it's the same thing with the defense where mm -hmm. I don't think you can just ask your defense to do this all the time and that eventually one was going to go awry. So last week, Winston throws you a fly ball that you catch and it ends the game and you don't blow it. But early in the year, there were other instances where the ball bounces off somebody and turns into a touchdown and you do blow it. And, and such is the nature of playing one score games. And I felt like walking out of this, that one of the main takeaways is this is probably what we're in for, for the rest <laughs> of the Dobbs. Like the defense is going to have to make those big plays every time. And they are more likely than not going to get worn down at times. And it, it's going to come down to that. But I do wonder if the dink and dunk stuff as you face, you know, Justin Fields, as you face maybe Aiden O'Connell, maybe, I don't know who, who knows who could be playing quarterback for the Raiders at that point. But uh, I, I just think it's a to me it's a lot to ask to say go over for you know in the red zone and and or you know do it again like yeah. shut them down five straight times in the red zone that was just to me too much to ask for the defense so I was willing to say like that was going to happen eventually even if you know it did play out that way yeah to to the point about dink and dunk um, you did see that that style works I, I think part of that was situationally like you said like let's not let anything get behind us they need a touchdown to win the game but we have seen this this defense be susceptible to that style of play call it's why justin herbert completed like 90 percent of his passes earlier this season because it was a lot of keenan allen it was a lot of quick right you know right off the line of scrimmage let's get the ball out quickly into these little pockets of space that are just going to inherently be there in this defense so i will be curious how the next two weeks transpire I guess two and a half because we have the buy in, in between. Um, maybe we won't find out because I don't frankly think Justin Fields is all too great at if this guy's open, let me just hit him. Um, I think the quarterback position is pretty tough on him. Uh, maybe it won't be found out, you know, with Aiden O'Connell because he threw three interceptions today. It's like maybe the competition you're facing, like, isn't going to 
be able to take advantage of what you've exposed as a potential weakness, but it could be a potential weakness. So it's something to definitely keep an eye on as far as like the game itself and how this defense performed, like great. Like they performed really, really well. And we asked Cambino about this after the game, like he denied it, but I think there was an element of this is like you force five field goals throughout the game. You're given just, horribly unfavorable field position at times. And the defense is basically standing on its head to make sure these balls end up going between the uprights and not in the end zone. I think that wears on you. Like it wears on you physically, like obviously at altitude, you're here. Like, like you said about the balls travel further at altitude. You also get tired more if you aren't used to it. Um, And I think there was probably a little bit of them being gassed on that final possession, but I think it also mentally wears on you. Like, wow, we've really played well today and we have to make sure we hold them to another field goal or we're going to lose. And I think it was just a culmination of not just today and how they bended and bended and bended but didn't break, but also the last month, this whole five-game winning streak, they've been asked to bend and bend and bend and not break and come through and win the game. And you have defensive backs calling themselves closers because they think, oh, we have to go out and win the game. And it's great that they have that confidence and they think like we are capable of doing this, but it's also not great that they feel like they have to go out and win the game. And you heard Cam Bynum and Josh Metellus say it today. We have to go out and win the game. It's because the defense has kind of been put in a tough position, not just tonight, but across this five game winning streak. So yeah, we're going to need a little bit more balance moving forward. Cause I don't think you can just rely on this defense to constantly force turnovers um, as a way to make sure you win a football game that like we said at the beginning of this podcast, it's going to circle back to the turnovers at the end. A lot of that's hinged on the offense, putting them in a tough position tonight. Um, but yeah, I think with the amount of plays this defense has made over the course of the last month and a half, there was probably going to be a game where they just didn't take the ball away. Kind of like law of averages. They didn't tonight. There were opportunities, but it didn't bounce their way. The ball bounced out of bounds. The ball got chopped out of Josh Metellus's hands think you can chalk that up to you're not going to get two takeaways every single game when it feels like you've been getting those. So that's kind of what it came down to tonight, but they still should have won the game. So like, I, I, it's, it's just a weird, hard game to talk about because all of these things that feel like very well-deserved criticisms, the whole tenor of this game is different. If they just get that stop or instead of kicking a field goal, the offense is able to punch it into the end zone. Um, so there's, it's, it's one of those games where we're going to like, talk about and criticize and critique and rightfully so. Um, but sometimes the simplest answer is the right answer. And in this one is just like, if they didn't turn the ball over, they would have won. And and that's simple as that. So it reminds me actually a lot of uh, week one against the Tampa Bay yeah, Bucks, yeah. where they outplayed the Bucks, but they threw a very strange interception at the end of the first half that cost them a touchdown or at very least a field goal. Mm-hmm. And then the game swung in the second half. They didn't get the key stops. They didn't touch the ball again uh, at the end of the game because the Bucks were able to drive it and exploit some of the weaknesses on the underneath passing and so forth. And, I, and we came out of that game with two conclusions. One, they outplayed the Bucks and should have won. But two, this is bad. 
Like this is bad for your outlook of your entire season. Now it hasn't destroyed their entire season, but still uh, at, at the beginning, it looked like it because we knew how tough their schedule was about to be. And this is where we always at the end of the podcast talk about the bigger picture toward this. And for me, it's, all right, we can, we can discuss how like the, the process of the game, like the run of play, they were the better team uh, to use kind of a soccer term there. Right. So, all right. Like overall, I still think that you are a better team than the Denver Broncos. Yeah. And I don't think that this means that it's going to come apart and so forth. And actually let me scroll up here because uh, Larry had a great overreaction tweet but I want to ask you how much of an overreaction. So Larry said uh, here, uh, I'll put it on the screen for everybody. This is good stuff, Larry. Um, it uh, says it just kind of feels like the season falling apart when Kirk dropped. Uh, we just didn't know it until now. So uh, what he's saying is that when Kirk got hurt, the season was actually over and we, we just found out today. Now, uh, the thing is that there may be merit to this. And it's going to be determined in the next couple of weeks because Cincinnati is all of a sudden very beatable without Joe Burrow. And then we get to the end of the year. Green Bay is not a joke. They played well today, uh, but uh, still a team you feel like you should beat at home. And then the two Detroit games, which will be very difficult. When you start adding that up, though, if you don't win this next one, then no matter who you're playing, it's not going to feel like you have a big advantage. Mm -hmm. And to lose to a team that you think is inferior to you in a game where you played better, all of a sudden now that door does crack open of what Larry's saying. It's like the, the season, uh, d it does not quite feel like it's teetering on the edge, but man, if they lose against the Chicago Bears, it will feel like, oh, well, it was just those two random games that Josh Dobbs won that we'll remember forever and all the magical times we had. And that if they win tonight, that scenario is not possible to mm -hmm. me. That scenario is you have so many wins, you'd be seven and four, you'd be feeling great. And you're going into play teams that aren't any good. And they were like this close to having it. They are just don't fumble that ball, kick another field goal. At very least you're in field goal position at that time. And there you are. And to let that slip away. I, I mean, I, I think in that locker room, you could really feel it. You could feel how they all knew right there. If you go to seven and four, I mean, you are making the playoffs. You would have to completely melt down and lose like every game the rest of the way. And now, now you lose another one. You go back to 500, then it's sort of anybody's ball game still in the NFC. That's that's where in the big picture that this changes a lot. I don't think it changes a lot about our Dobbs discussion. You're not benching Dobbs. I think he played like a starting quarterback today mm -hmm. and can still win you a good amount of games. But again, if they win, we're going, oh boy, Josh Dobbs, they can win with this guy. Keep it rolling. It's Keenum season again. And maybe he's the future quarterback. Now for this next week, that whole is Dobbs the future quarterback thing kind of gets put on hold as it's more of a build up to, all right, like this game suddenly becomes feeling like it's more of your season against the Bears. So there's major implications to this, I think. Yeah. And I think that comment's still pretty much of an overreaction like because i think the last two weeks is it wasn't i don't think but i guess it does leave the, the the door open i don't think the last two weeks were just some blip on the radar that all of a sudden now the magic's gone and I, and i don't think that because of a lot of what we did see tonight like that there were elements of the game that were good it wasn't just the worst game we ever and they get blown out by denver and that this okay the season was really done and we just didn't know it 
but at the same time, I can totally understand that reaction. And that's kind of the re- the way that I think this whole week that TCO Performance Center is going to be covered is like that game against the Bears now at home on Monday Night Football on national television isn't just like a walkover. Like, all right, they're just in our way on our way to a nice bye week. Now it's like you better win the game. Otherwise, like then you start to sound the alarms and maybe that would be an overreaction still, but like not really because of what happened tonight. Like it does just feel like the door is open now for the potential, at least that this snowballs and it just didn't have to be because you should have won this game. And, and maybe that's where a lot of this frustration lies is that like, a lot of Minnesota sports fandom is just waiting for things to go wrong. And this feels like, oh, man, this could be it. This could be the, the, the thing that sparks all of it going awry. I, like I said earlier, I'm still inclined to believe that they can catch this thing before it kind of gets out of hand, but we won't find that out until Monday until at us bank stadium in prime time against the bears who you absolutely should beat if you lose to that team then all of a sudden it's like, man, this could get out of hand. It could be in trouble. Um, So yeah, that's what happened tonight is like you at least left that small sliver of the door open for uh, the potential of, we do look back on that Denver game and say, yeah, that's where everything went wrong. Um, Think it is an overreaction, but it's certainly possible. So, Well, and uh, in the comments section, it's also brought up that the NFC has such a bad level of talent that even (laughs) just not completely melting if you get eight wins, you might get into the playoffs yeah. just by having eight wins. I mean, the Tampa Bay Bucks were horrible today against San Francisco. I honestly have no idea who's chasing them down. Washington lost to Tommy DeVito. I mean, what a what mm-hmm. like there there's almost no one to get them. If the they might win, I mean, eight is as low as I'll go. But like, even if you won seven, are you playing like the last week? for the possibility of still getting in because these other teams are so atrocious that are going for the playoffs. But I think that when Dobbs won those last two games, especially against the saints, and it was very impressive, then there's started to be a little bit of a shift toward, okay. uh, Yeah. You're trying to make the playoffs. It would be fun. It'd be crazy story. Dobbs shows up here. Like they coached and defense their way and everything else to the playoffs. But there was almost this little feeling of like, would someone not want to play them? Like, would they be, They'd be a little scary. And I think the general takeaway was, yeah, like they, they could be because they have this other dynamic at quarterback because they have this defense that's playing well. And I I don't think that tonight was enough for me to say like, okay, forget all that. Like that conversation never happened. Men in black sort of like, just let's pretend it never happened because they did move the ball and because they did run better and because they, you know, did have a good defensive performance on the whole. Um, at the same time, though, if you lose next week, then we are saying, all right, well, yeah, you could probably make the playoffs, but is this going to be worth it? And there's that feeling starts to settle in like it did last year when they lost to Green Bay. It was like, OK, you barely survived the Colts being down 30 points and then you lost at Lambeau and going into the Giants game. I think there wasn't a ton of belief that they had any chance to really go anywhere in the NFC. And not that I'm saying that Dobbs, everyone believed they could go to the championship. I I just mean that there was all of a sudden this kind of intrigue of like, hey, what if it happens again? Like, because it's happened so many times in in Vikings history. And tonight it pours ice cold water on that for now. And uh, next week, I think we'll determine whether that is a trend or whether it was just one of those days 
where you turn the ball over. So anyway, thanks all of you for staying up late. Mountain time messes with you. Let me tell you, I had no idea when we were supposed to be here, when the game started. My computer has the central time on it, so I don't even know what time it is right now, technically. Um, but I appreciate all of you staying up late to watch the broadcast here. Big audience tonight, and I appreciate that. Um, thank you to our look, – look at this stadium view behind us. That is incredible. Um, and uh, also, of course, Dane Mizutani, Pioneer Press. Read his – on deadline work that he has to actually get back to right now. So really appreciate all of you. It'll be a very interesting week of discussion as we continue to break this down and go back and look at the tape and then go into uh, the week against the bears. So thanks again, everybody. And we will catch you all next time.